0: happy saturday morning to you all it's good to be here i've known jacob for just a little bit longer i think than you have and since day one it has been my prayer that this day would happen and that i get to be here and uh, bring you a message glorifying god and uh, welcoming him into the ministry um, is a sincere privilege and i wish you all the lord's blessing as we worship together this morning And now, I need to find my books. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 113. Psalm 113, the first three stanzas Praise the Lord. Please rise. Psalm 113, verse 1, praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Congregation, our name is in the help of the Lord. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth, receive his blessing, grace. And peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us now come into song, O Come My Soul, Bless Thou the Lord, from the Blue Psalter hymnal. We sing number 204, singing all the stanzas of O Come My Soul, Bless the Lord, hymn 204. Let us come to our God in prayer. Father, all-glorious, King, all-victorious, we congregate today. We come here with thankful hearts. We come here calling Jacob to this congregation, ordaining him to the ministry of the word and sacrament as our pastor, as our shepherd. Father, we know the work. Jacob especially knows the work that it has taken to come here to this place. You have laid it upon his heart to serve. You have put the tasks in front of him. He has listened to the calling, he has done what has been asked of him. He has studied well, he has given a good account. But most of all, Father, he has a broken and a contrite heart and simply wishes to bring your people closer to you. And so, Father, on this day, in this moment, as we think upon these things, as we think even upon our father Abraham being called out of a land that he knew into a place that he does not, I think of our brother Jacob being called out of our country to the north, to this place. May he serve well amongst these people. May they come to know you better through him. Father, there is sin involved in all of us. We fail and we fall short, but we do not claim our gifts. We do not claim our strengths. We claim your gifts, and we claim your strength. For it was Christ who died upon us. Not his cross, but ours. Our sins are forgiven. His righteousness has been given to us gracefully. And so, Father, we pray for the work. We pray for the pastor. We pray that your name and your glory may be sought even here, even now, even tomorrow, even in the days coming and until Christ returns. May your glory be centered in our hearts. Father, thank you for these times of joy, these times of thanksgiving, these times of the communion of the saints. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let us rise once again, if we're able, to sing song of preparation, O Lord, in wrath rebuke me not, from the Trinity Psalter hymnal, uh, uh, number six stanzas, one, three, four, and five. O Lord, in wrath, rebuke me not. I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, a fairly familiar chapter to all of us. I know I first learned of the story in Sunday school. Hear now the word of our Lord. Genesis 22, verse 1, page 19, in our Pew Bibles. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood of the burnt offering and arose and went on to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar off. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now after these things it was told to Abraham, Behold, Milcah also has born children to your brother Nahor, Uz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Camuel his father of Aram, Shesed, Hazo, Pilda, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. Bethuel fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name is Remuah, bore tiba Gaham, Tahash, and Makkah. Ascends the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. May it be a blessing to you this morning and into your lives. Dear brothers and sisters and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, dear friends, dear family, Jacob, dear loved ones, Christianity and Judaism are mocked for much for a story much like this. Abraham, the father of the faith, the one whose faith God accounted as righteous, that's Genesis fifteen, six, is told to sacrifice the Son of God's promise to him. On a quick and terse reading of the passage, we see the God of all knowledge testing Abraham. We see Abraham willing to commit murder. And what is Isaac thinking as he is bound and laid upon the altar as he sees the knife in his father's hand? Well, if this is all you want to see in a story like this, who would want to claim membership in such a a religion? What is the point of today's ordination? I tell you congregation and family and friends and loved ones that there is far more going on here. So much more beauty in the passage present than meets the eye on a quick and terse first reading of the passage. We're going to go into the Hebrew just a little bit to see such things. We're going to dwell upon the passage deeply to see God's great love towards an undeserving people. An undeserving servant, his faith-filled reaction to the divine command given and a testimony towards the kind of sacrifice needed and looked forward to just so we, God's people, can be built up in our faith in Jesus Christ, the fulfilled sacrificial lamb of our salvation, we're going to see something worldly ugly made beautiful. Today, after much work on his part, after much prayer for him, by all of us, we're going to ordain Jacob London into the ministry of the word and sacrament here at Trinity URC. God has called you, Jacob, to this place, and you have said, here I am. What a thought that God should choose to ordain men towards this calling. That someone as broken as me or as you should be chosen to be a proclaimer of something so beautiful as the gospel message that saves God's people from their sins. Brother Jacob, I know you know your sins and your shortcomings, but you also know your Savior. And so today, with a hard yet glorious task ahead of you, I want, for just a moment, for you to feel beautiful. For how beautiful are the mountains, are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Isaiah 52, 7. When we see what the Lord sees, congregation, a beauty is offered that the world cannot fathom, Take comfort today in such a story as this, as this, dear believers, is your hope because the God of your faith sees you. He sees you. And so we have this morning's theme to live in faith is to see as the Lord sees. To live in faith is to see as the Lord sees. We have three points. Firstly, responding in faith. Secondly, trusting in God, and then thirdly, living blessed. Firstly, we come to responding in faith. Our passage begins with a test, and at first one might want to ask, why the test? Doesn't God know everything already? We know our God as omniscient or all-knowing. We speak of his electing love based upon his good pleasure alone to draw a people full of sin out from under that burden towards the burden of Christ. I said in another sermon to my flock back in Canada, God doesn't need your faith to elect, but you need his election for your faith. So then if God knows, why the test? Today's test is is not about God needing anything, beloved. Today's test is about Abraham's training. We've long known this forefather of the faith. We're in Genesis 22. We've been knowing him, getting to know him since Genesis 12. What is so beautiful about him is the faith that God gives Abraham, finding him righteous before him. Genesis 15, verse 6, even in spite of his moments of fallenness still present in his life. In this I think of his lack of headship or husbandly leadership over Sarai in the matters of Hagar, Genesis 16. The withholding of full truths with Pharaoh and with Abimelech, Genesis 12 and Genesis 20. How about his choice for Ishmael? Even though the yet-to-be-conceived Isaac shall be the son of promise proclaimed by God. We hear that at Genesis 17, verse 18. I tell you, thank the Lord God that faith that the faith that saves was accounted to Abraham as righteous because, you know what, his works his works just don't cut it. More training needs to take place. And so we come to verse 1, after these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. What we have at verse at the end of verse 1 is a common phrase at God's Calling out, Abraham says, Here I am. It's a common enough phrase. We hear it at various places in Scripture. We hear it again at 1 Samuel 3 when God is calling little Samuel and he responds to Eli with the same phrase. In Hebrew, the phrase is pronounced Hineni. Hineni, Here I am. Now, here I am is good English. Rougher but more accurate English would give us behold or or see me God calls out Abraham uh, God calls out to Abraham and his response is, is see me with emphasis added it is exclaimed a, a declaration is being given there is humility in it see all of me see the best and the worst of me i have nothing to hide nor can i hide anything from you Abraham presents himself before the Lord God Almighty, and he is ready to listen. This is the first of three different occasions in our passage that Abraham speaks this phrase, and each time we hear it, I want you to think of the phrase, Henei, see me. Then we come to the following words of God at verse 2, and we shall think on them for a moment. God says, take your son your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And what could Abraham be thinking at this point? We already know of his failings, and I already know my failings, and you already know yours, dear sinners. We have this in common with him, and I would be thinking about God's promises to him. I'd be thinking of Genesis 17 where his and Sarah's names are changed. That Sarah shall be known as a mother of nations and that kings of peoples shall be from her. Genesis 17:16. I'd be thinking of those early morning hours. Of Genesis 21 as Abraham makes ready for Hagar and for Ishmael, his firstborn, to leave. Abraham thought so highly of Ishmael. Genesis 17:18 he cries out to the Lord, "Oh that Ishmael might live before you." But Ishmael was not chosen and Isaac was. Shall I also ask about God's reputation in this Isaac was specifically called out as the son of promise. God was going to work his promises through this son of Abraham. How can such things take place in his being sacrificed unto death? You know, God actually has more at stake in these words than even Abraham does. But in the early morning hours, not unlike those early morning hours when Ishmael and Hagar were caused to leave, it's the same phrase used at Genesis 21:14. He as here at Genesis 22, verse 3, that Abraham, and hear this without question, prepares to leave and then does. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. For three days, Abraham has been wondering about God's request of the inevitability of it all. And then the mountains appear before them, and now we find out actually actually that Abraham has not been thinking like, like I've been thinking. His faith has it in fact remained strong. His silence in response to God's command is meaningful. He has done and shall do what is expected of him. How can I say this? The answer comes from verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy. We'll go over there and worship and come back to you again. What Abraham means here is that whoever's going up that mountain is coming back down. The promises of God are good. Neither Abraham's love for his for this son of promise or the promises of God made through him are at risk here. This is a testament to the kind of saving faith that God accounted to Abraham at Genesis fifteen six. This statement is the fruit of what responding in faith gives. Such is Abraham's response to God's command. Well, then secondly, trusting in God. In the second point, we're going to dwell upon Isaac just a little. I want to give him a voice with the little words that he speaks in this chapter. As silent and faithful as Abraham was in the first verses of our passage, we come to see and we shall come to know Isaac as the son of his father here. Children, how old do you have to be to travel three days? Notice mountains afar off, have wood for a burnt offering laid upon you, Having to walk the rest of the way to the mountain of God, to, God of, to the mountain of God's own choosing, and then up the mountain of God's own choosing, to the place where worship shall take place. I would think Isaac would have to, at least, have been a strong teenager. But what does God's word say? Well? Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born, Genesis 17, 17, and she died at 127, that's Genesis 23, 1. And our passage, according to Scripture, takes place during the many days of Genesis 21, 34, that Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines and before Sarah's death. No exact age is given in our passage for Isaac. External tradition calls Isaac out as close to 33 years old by the time our passage takes place. Why is it important to understand his age? Well, I call out his age because of his perceived ability to discern. Isaac is no little toddler in this story. His strength and the timeline won't allow for it. Verse 6 says, And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offerings and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, in his hand, the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them, together. And it is a beautiful thing, congregation, to contemplate, to be made aware of, and to know because Isaac is, the past, uh, is past the age of discernment. He is aware of worship. He knows what a sacrifice is and why God commands such things. He's likely watching his father or helping his father saddle up the donkeys. He's understood the God of his father to have commanded such things. So now he calls out to his father at verse 7, My father, but, but before we come to his question, having analyzed the deficiency of the lamb for a burnt offering, Abraham, having been addressed, responds as he did when called by God. Hineni, here I am. See me. He says, here I am, my son. In this we now know, Abraham presents himself now before his offspring as before his God with nothing to hide. His heart is as open to his son as it remains open to his God. And his son, inquisitive, aware, and informed, wonders about the sacrifice. He said, verse 7, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? At the beginning of our passage, in light of the command that God gives, Abraham is called to trust God, to trust the God that gives it. And now Isaac is called to that same trust. Well, we could say, why didn't Abraham just say then, Isaac, you are the sacrifice? In light of such supposed trust. Well, I tell you, in light of Isaac's age and strength, Abraham might as well have said, Isaac, you are the sacrifice, for the results would have been the same. Abraham's response to Isaac's question, we find at verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, my son. That verb, provide, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Verse 8 continues, so they went both of them together. Isaac, surely as scripture reveals, nothing else goes willingly with that very same trust as Abraham has. And now think of this, think of this, tell me children, do you think Isaac, do you think Isaac, a strong 30 year old, some of your dads are 30 years old. Some of your grandparents are a lot older. Do you think a 33-year-old man who is able to carry enough wood for a sacrifice over to and up a mountain would be able to overpower a 133-year-old man trying to bind him and then slay him? Well, I should think so. And yet no struggle is given. At some point, at verse 9, Isaac is made aware that he is to be the sacrifice, and the verse is silent. The verse is as silent as a sheep before its shearers is, Isaiah 53, 7, as to Isaac's response. In other words, he accepts his father's intent as commanded by God. In other words, he stood still as his old father slowly bound him He allowed himself to be laid down upon that altar. And trusting in God then, Abraham reaches out his hand, verse 10, and takes the knife to slaughter his son. Well, then finally we come to living blessed. The moment of truth is now upon them. The command of God had been given. Abraham and Isaac have done all that has been asked of them. Their faith is strong. Their trust unwavering. Abraham had told his servants that as two people left their party, two would return. Isaac wondered about the sacrifice, but trusted that God would provide, as his father had stated. The fire was ready to burn the sacrifice upon the wood. The knife is in his hand. Isaac's life is about to be extinguished. Verse 11, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Abraham for the third time responds with hineni see me here I am with nothing to hide likely with with a broken and a contrite heart Abraham and Isaac in faith and in trust are about to follow through with what has been commanded and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears calls out from calls out to him from heaven with Further divine instruction, the Lord has seen him. He has seen his obedience and also the obedience of the Son of Promise that represents all that Abraham's God plans to do with him and with his people. And the first blessing given is that Isaac shall not be the sacrifice given in worship to God. Isaac lives on. The angel further says at verse 12, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham had two sons at that point, but Isaac is the son of promise. And so Isaac shall remain for God to work his promises through as promised. And the both shall continue on in their worship. This is the second blessing. God does provide, as Abraham had told Isaac back at verse 8, verses 13 and 14. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught by a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day on this mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now I've waited till now to speak on that verb, provide. The verb to provide used at verse 8, and now here at verse 14 is better translated from the Hebrew, to see to understand to spy reveal look at examine inspect or show well let's reduce that to see three times abraham in response to his god to his son and now to the angel of the lord with hineni see me at verse 8 god will see for himself the lamb for a burnt offering and then at verse 14 so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will see as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord it shall be seen in our worship beloved God shall provide he shall see to it he shall be seen Well, the third and final blessing comes in the final words of our passage. These are closing words, not only to the chapter, but to Abraham as a major character in Scripture, in the book of Genesis. At first, we come to where the chapter begins, where God begins to test Abraham, and the test is made, and Abraham responds in faith, and in light of his doing so, bookend reminders are here now given. And the angel of the Lord, verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gates of your enemies. Blessings of multiplied descendants are accounted here. Reminiscent of the newly named Sarah declared, the mother of nations for kings of people shall be from her, Genesis seventeen six. And as the stars of the heavens are listed, are given to us, reminiscent of God's description of Abraham's descendants at Genesis 15, verse 5. And as numerous as the sand which is on the seashore, reminiscent of the dust of the earth spoken by God to Abraham at Genesis 13:16, as Abraham walks the land of his inheritance. And finally, the last statement of verse 17, your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, looks forward to Genesis 24:60 to Rebekah, Isaac's future wife, a future promise of God working through Isaac and his generations. And this we note at verse 23. It's towards the end of our chapter here. The first mention of Rebekah, and then chapter 24, the narrative of their betrothal. So much blessing comes to these when God's people are faithful to His commands. Finally, what does the author of the book of Hebrews have to say about the faith present here? Hebrews 11:17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he he received him back. Congregation, note the silence in Isaac as he is bound and placed upon the altar. See the substitute given at the last moment possible. A ram is provided as a replacement, and worship takes place. There's one final blessing to take note of, and it is a big one. It's verse 18. In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. And we get to look back to Genesis 12. Verse 3, where those words are spoken. But now let's look forward. In this passage, we have Abraham being the recipient of the promises of God, Genesis 12, but Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of those promises. We have Isaac, the son of promise, Abraham's son, his only son being offered up on the altar faithfully, and Jesus Christ going to the cross, tested, tortured, and unjustly tried, then dying for the sins of his people. We have the, verse 8, lamb for a burnt offering provided, seen, substituting the ram for Isaac. See here verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, or saw. That same verb in Hebrew is used again. The Lord provides, the Lord sees. Congregation, we have come into worship today. A special service has been called. The ordination of your new pastor has brought you here. Tomorrow, on the Lord's Day, we shall reflect upon, as we have done so today, the sacrificial lamb that has been substituted for your transgressions. God has indeed seen to it. He has provided in the person and work of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in his name, our worship may continue, for the sacrifice has been met. What we don't have here is a weird story about a father told by God to kill his only son. What we do have is a profoundly beautiful revelation of divine, sacrificial, substitutionary, atoning love taking place. And you are saved through it. The Lord sees you, Jacob. In light of your sins, it is as if Jesus has said to his father, and to you he says, Hineni, see me. Jacob, when your congregation calls upon you, your response is, here I am. Bring to this body of Jesus Christ the good news. Proclaim peace. Bring glad tidings of good joy. Proclaim salvation. Say to Trinity URC, Your God reigns. How beautiful upon the mountains are your feet. Paul at Romans 10:14 and 15 thinks so too. Congregation the Lord sees you. Jesus Christ has said to his father, on your behalf here I am. See Him. To live in faith is to see as the Lord sees. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, it is only the man Jesus Christ that you have chosen. that you have seen that you have declared as our salvation that gives us any right to even assemble here to call upon your name but we have and we do thank you for giving us the spiritual vision that dwells upon the perfect life of Christ his cursed death And his righteousness received by us through all of it. Father, I pray for my brother Jacob. That he may do the work well. That he may present himself humbly before you as he brings your word to God's people. Please bless him and keep him. Bless this body and keep them. In due time, may we see the Lord Jesus Christ return face to face. May we be found in worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We come now to the ordination ceremony. I invite you to turn with me to page... 63, sorry, 69 in our Forms and Prayers book, the ordination of Ministers of the Word and Sacrament. Congregation, Jesus Christ, the Council, Congregation of Jesus Christ, the Council has made known to you the name of our brother Jacob London, who is now to be ordained to the ministry of the Word and Sacrament, installed in the ministry to which he has been called. The Holy Scriptures teach us that Christ Jesus gathers, protects, and preserves for Himself a church out of the corrupt race of men for life eternal, and gives to His church such teaching and care that she may grow in faith, love, and service. For this work, Christ, by a particular grace, uses men, appointing them to the preaching of the gospel and for the building up of his body. The Apostle Paul solemnly charged Timothy to preach the word, and our Lord Jesus charged his disciples to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The Apostle Paul declares that the Lord Jesus Christ has given the Apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. For this reason, the church has recognized distinct offices, the distinct office of the minister of the word. The minister of the word is called by the command of God to preach the gospel of his kingdom. This preaching has the twofold object of calling sinners to reconcile with God through Jesus Christ and nurturing believers in the faith and life of the kingdom of God. Ministers are called ambassadors for Christ as though he were pleading by them, be reconciled to God. Therefore, this preaching must be addressed to all people. The preaching of the gospel must especially be addressed to the gathered congregation of the nurturing of Christian faith for the nurturing of Christian faith, and the life for strengthening them against all error. Paul charged Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, reprove rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And he charged Titus. That a minister must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. The minister of the word is called to administer the sacraments which the Lord has instituted as signs and seals of his grace. Christ gave this charge to his apostles. And through them to all ministers of the word, then he commanded them to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when he said of the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me, the minister of the word is called to the service of prayer. In speaking of their calling, the Apostle says we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So too it is a calling of all God's ministers to lead the people of God in supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. For all people, for kings, and for all who are highly in high positions. The minister of the word is called together with the elders to shepherd the people of God in their Christian life, giving guidance and counsel in all that they need, exhorting them to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, and keeping the church of God in good order and discipline. They are pastors appointed to shepherd the church of Christ, which he purchased with his own blood in keeping with the Lord's command, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. They together with the elders watch over the house of God for the right and fruitful ordering of the faith and life and worship of the people of God. In their their exercise of the keys of the kingdom, what they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and what they loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. For the pastor of an established congregation. We now proceed to ordain Brother London, As a minister of the word and sacrament in this congregation, we rejoice that the Lord Jesus, in his faithful love, has provided a minister to serve as pastor and teacher to this people, and also as their leader in the missionary calling of this church. We receive this servant of our Lord from the hand and heart of the shepherds and overseer of our souls. We are grateful that our Savior has committed preaching, teaching, and pastoral care to the office of minister of the Word, and that he will continue to use sinful men for such high and holy purposes until the day of his return. No one is able to fulfill this holy ministry in his own strength, therefore we set our hope in Christ Jesus, our Lord, who said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, in order that it may appear that you, Jacob London, are willing to accept this office, you are requested to stand and, in the presence of God and his church, give your answer to the following questions. Please rise. Firstly, do you believe that in the call of this congregation, you are called by God himself to this holy ministry? Second, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice, and do you reject every doctrine in conflict with them? And thirdly, do you promise to discharge the duties of your office faithfully, to conduct yourself worthily of this calling, and to submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church? Brother, if you agree, repeat after me, I do so believing and promise God helping me. Now, I will ask you, brother, to come to the uh, middle of the floor here. And also, I request to all URC ministers and elders both uh, serving. Oh, we need to sign the form of subscription first. My mistake. Um, if you would like to follow along with the form of subscription, it's found on page 93 in our Forms and Prayers book. Congregation, you don't often hear this, but the form of subscription is read at every classis meeting and every Senate meeting and every minister must rise to the ascent every time they hear it. Uh, the form of subscription here reads, we the undersigned ministers of the gospel, elders and deacons of the United Form Congregation of Trinity URC of the classes of Michigan, do hereby sincerely and in good conscience before the Lord declare by this our subscription that we heartily believe and are persuaded that all the articles and points of doctrine contained in the Belgic Confession and the Heidelberg Catechism of the Reformed Churches, together with the explanation of some points of the aforesaid doctrine made by the National Senate of Dortrecht, 1618-1619, do fully agree with the Word of God. We promise, therefore, diligently to teach and faithfully to defend the aforesaid doctrine without either directly or indirectly contradicting the same by our public preaching, teaching, or writing. We declare, moreover, that we not only reject all errors that militate against this doctrine and particularly those that were condemned by the above mentioned synod, but also are disposed to refute and contradict them and to exhort. Exert ourselves to keeping the church free from such errors. And if hereafter any difficulties or different sentiments respecting the aforesaid doctrines should arise in our minds, we promise that we will neither publicly nor privately propose or defend the same, either by preaching, teaching, or writing, until we have first revealed such sentiments to the consistory, classes, or synod, that the same may be there that the same may there be examined being ready always cheerfully to submit to the judgment of the consistory classes or senate under the penalty in case of refusal of being by that very fact suspended from our office. And further, if at any time the consistory classes or senate upon sufficient grounds of suspicion and to preserve the uniformity and purity of doctrine may deem it proper to require of us a further explanation of our sentiments, respecting any particular article of the Confession of Faith, the Catechism, or the explanation of the National Senate. We do hereby promise to be always willing and ready to comply with such requisition under the above-mentioned penalty, reserving for ourselves, however, the right of appeal in case we should believe ourselves aggrieved by the sentence of the consistory or the classes. And until a decision is made upon such an appeal, we will acquiesce in the determination and judgment already passed. Brother, do you submit? Yeah. Now, I would ask for you to go down on your knees, middle of the floor here. Uh, Every ordained minister and elder currently or taking um, a rest. Please come and place your hand on my brother. I get the back of his head. You can have shoulders and other parts. Shoulders on shoulders are also okay, brothers. May God, our Heavenly Father, who has called you to this holy office, enlighten you with his spirit, strengthen you with his hand, and so govern you in your ministry, that you may be engaged in it faithfully and fruitfully, to the glory of his name and the coming of the kingdom of his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Congregation, please rise. Dear people of God and members of this church, since this solemn act involves ob- obligations also on your part, I ask you before God firstly, do you in the name of the Lord welcome this brother as your pastor? Secondly, do you promise to receive the word of God proclaimed by him and to encourage him in the discharge of his duty? Thirdly, Will you pray that he may, in the power of the Spirit, equip you in the work of advancing God's kingdom for the honor of Christ, in Christ our Lord, the building up of his church, and the salvation of men? If you agree to these answers, respond, we do, God helping us. We do, God us. At this point, I will ask for Reverend Admiral to bring the
1: charge. You may all be seated. Well, congregation, this is a very special moment and time for you all and for our brother, Pastor London and his wife. We, I just want to say a few words before we read the official exhortation that is found here in the formulary, which includes a charge to the pastor and a charge to the congregation. <clears throat> but before I read that, let me just say it is just such a great blessing and joy for me to be able to have a part in this service and uh, to rejoice with you today. You've had a time of vacancy. It has not been a very easy time for the congregation. You've gone through struggles and trials, and we are aware of that. And we have placed you before the Lord in our prayers that he may sustain you and bless you. And one of our prayers certainly has been that he would send you another under-shepherd to serve here among you. And the Lord has answered our prayers. And today we officially have installed him as the pastor of this flock. So we give thanks to God today. I hope it may be a day of great rejoicing for all of us here. It is certainly for us as pastors as well, fellow pastors, as we see another brother being ordained to the solemn and glorious task of the ministry of the gospel. <clears throat> I wanna to say to you, my dear friend and brother, Pastor London, that you have a great calling before you and I know you are aware of it. You've already been serving in the congregation for a little while here, they know you well, they, they love you deeply, your family. But just remember this, be faithful, faithful in your calling, Faithful to your Savior, faithful to the Word of God, faithful in your ministry to a people that needs your guidance, not only from God's Word, but also your love and pastoral ministry to them. And uh, be faithful to your family. Remember, they are first and foremost. And the ministry is a calling congregation. I think many of you are aware that takes a lot of time, diligence, effort, and a pastor's wife, certainly, and his family, too, when that family gets older, bears that and shares that in many ways. So remember them and be faithful to them. And I know your wife will be fully supportive of you, but also remember them in their particular life and needs. Be faithful, then, also in continuing to lead this flock in the ways of Christ. Be also humble, brother, you are a gifted man. God has given you the ability to preach His word and do it well. I've heard you preach, and I thank the Lord for you. And you're also also one who, who is well deals well with people. I know you love people. You love to visit, you love to minister to young people. And I just pray that you will always remain humble. You are only a servant. Our Lord Jesus said in Matthew 25, I love this text, I hope you will remember it. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. And also be prayerful. Remember, without prayer, your ministry will never be successful, if I may use that term. It will never prosper. Making sermons every week, people of God, is a difficult calling. It takes a lot of time, a lot of prayer. It's not an easy task. You'll have your down times. You'll have times when you kind of want to give up and say, oh, this is almost too much for me. Be on your knees constantly, and the Lord will lift you up. He will give you renewed strength. He will give you his blessing in your calling in congregation i want to really give those same exhortations to you if i may do that personally just a moment before we again go to the form and that is also be faithful as a congregation faithful in supporting your pastor faithful in remembering his needs faithful in your worship each week again you're called to gather here to worship god and you can do so by his wonderful blessing morning and evening morning and afternoon Be faithful. Be faithful in all the duties that you have as servants of Christ in this church. And be humble. You too cannot do your task well and faithfully unless the Lord also blesses you and keeps you on your knees. Be prayerful. Pray not only for your pastor, pray for your counsel. Pray for one another in your times of need. Pray that God will keep you united and strong as his people. Pray for growth in His church, and He will provide growth. He will give you fruitfulness when you stay faithful and true to Him. So we just praise God today, and we rejoice together with you, and trust that His name above all, Christ, who is the King and the head of the church, may be glorified in all that we do as His servants, whether in the ministry of the Word or as His people, who together are also called to be the servants of the living Lord. With that, I want to turn with you to the form, and you can follow it along. It's on page 71, second column at the bottom. Beloved brother and fellow servant in Christ, take heed to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you a guardian to feed the church of the Lord which he obtained with his own blood. Love Christ and feed his sheep, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, and not domineering over those in your charge, but humbly serving all. Set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Attend to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have. Take heed to your teaching, Be patient in all trials. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will obtain the unfading crown of glory. And you, beloved Christians, congregation of the Lord, receive your ministry in the Lord with all joy and hold him in honor. Remember that through him, God himself speaks to you. Receive the word that he, according to the scripture, shall preach to you, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Let the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring the good news be beautiful and pleasant to you. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. If you do these things, the God of peace shall enter your homes. You will, receive this, you will receive this man in the name of a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward, and through faith in Jesus Christ, the inheritance of eternal life. No man, no people of themselves are sufficient for these things. Let us then call upon the name of God. Let us now pray together. <clears throat> Merciful Father, We are thankful that it pleases you by the ministry of men to gather your church out of the lost human race to life eternal. We acknowledge the gift of this your servant sent to this people, Jacob London, as a messenger of your peace. Send now the Holy Spirit upon him, enlighten his mind to know the truth of your word. Give him the ability to make known the mystery of the gospel with boldness. Grant him the wisdom to care for and guide the people over whom he is placed. Through his ministry, build up your holy church and grant her increase in number and in virtue. Give your servant courage through your spirit to fulfill his calling against every difficulty and to be steadfast to the end. We pray that this people will receive him as having been sent by you. May they receive his teaching and exhortation with all reverence and believing in Christ through his word. Become partakers of eternal life. Grant us, O Heavenly Father, for the sake of your dear Son, in whose name we pray, and let us as a congregation conclude our prayers by saying the prayer our Savior taught us together Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's joyfully respond at this time, people of God, by turning in the Psalter hymnal to "Lead, O King Eternal" as a hymn of response. It's in the Psalter hymnal 484, and let's all stand to sing. Lead on, O King Eternal. And after that, Brother London will come forward, Pastor London, and he will then give the benediction. Congregation, lift up your hearts and receive now God's parting blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you
2: and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Part not on the agenda, but um, I would like to read a letter that was sent from New Horizon Reformed Church, which is where Jacob and Lisa were worshiping before they came to us. This is from the council there. Dear Jacob, seeing your desire to serve the Lord and dedication and study over the years, finally leading to your examination and ordination, has been a joy to us. Though we're unable to join you in person for the wonderful occasion of ordination, we warmly join you in the spirit of Christian brotherhood from afar. We pray God will continue to grant you wisdom, grace, patience, and strength as you lead your family and serve in the church. Brother, preach the word. And this is a sign from the council. And I also have been asked to um, do a short prayer here to, uh, for the, the meal that we will be partaking of. I've, I've added a little bit to it. So here, let's, let's come before the Lord in prayer. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, to me. Lord, you have provided, provided a pastor, Reverend Jacob London. You have guided us through vacancy and led us to Pastor London and him to us. Now bless him and Lisa in their service to your kingdom and to this church, Bless him with your spirit. Bless him with wisdom, tenderness, compassion, charity. Bless him as he studies and preaches your word. May Christ in all of his glory be extolled week after week. May sinners be called to repentance and saints encouraged in their walk with the Lord. May we grow for many years together in you. Thank you for this ordination service. For Reverend Pete and Reverend Admiral, who have led us. Thank you for favorable travel conditions so far. May all our Canadian friends return home safely and have a favorable border crossing. For all the ministers who have served Trinity in our vacancy, thank you. And also, thank you for the meal that has been provided for us. Thank you for those who serve it, for Nancy, for Teresa. We give thanks for Lorenda, for Linda, Lydia, sorry, for... A Brenda for Judy, and if there's anybody else that I've missed, and Deb. We pray, Lord, that you will bless it to our bodies. And we even give thanks for something so simple as a clean, beautiful sanctuary to worship in. And the sound people who have contributed their part as well. Lord, we pray for strength for today. We pray for bright hope for tomorrow. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. Oh, sorry, one more thing one more thing i've been asked also to announce that we have accepted the membership of lisa jacob and their children calvin and Ellie, from the new horizon reform church